This is the comedy room where we talk about comedy and the people behind it. Our subject of today's episode is a comedian who's come to uh, fame roughly in the last sort of, 20 years or so. But his, his route to fame was, was quite sudden, including a sitcom that was set in a working men's club. He also did a spin-off show with a couple of the characters from that and has had hit records as well as numerous sellout tours. So our comedy legend this month is Peter Kay. So, Verso, you've watched quite a lot of Peter Kay's material, haven't you? I have, yes. I am... Um... Three quarters of the way through a rewatch of Phoenix Nights, which I haven't watched for about five or six years, but it's still, you know, I watched that last week. And it still stands up. That's, um, yeah, it's it's funny. It's and if um, if you've grown up in working man club environments, which I did, it's it's spot on. the uh, The observational comedy of these working men club working man's clubs is just immense. Definitely, um, the the really sort of astute um, observations is really sort of a, a hallmark of his of his comedy. Um, well, the first tour that he ever put out was well, the first DVD he ever put out or video as it was then was uh, Live at the Top of the Tower, which was the um, what, what tour was it? It was probably called Live at the Top of the Tower tour. I think it probably yeah, because Mum Wants a Bungalow was was earlier. It was later, rather. One Wants a Bungalow was 2002. So, yeah, Top of the Tower was about 2000, I think. Um, and that's where his uh, his famous catchphrase of um, Gallic bread came from. Yeah. But it was watching watching that first that first show, that Top of the Tower show, was a real sort of eye-opener for a lot of people, especially people from around, from around here. Uh, for those that don't know, um, Phoenix Nights uh, was filmed in Farmworth, which is only sort of a few miles from here. And for a lot of people around here, kind of listening to, you know, kind of watching Peter Kay's stand-up, it was the first time that you know our sort of childhood had really been put under the spotlight as such. And it was it was such a hilarious show. It really was. And I've, I've, I've rewatched it sort of recently, and it's it's still just like you said about Phoenix Nights. It still stands up really, really well, you know, scarily well. Uh, but yes, yeah. um, I think the, the thing about Phoenix Nights is, um, I mean, he, he plays three characters. He plays obviously Brian Potter. He plays Max. And he played the uh, the fire marshal guy who um, done the fire safety checks on on the Phoenix Club, and you think you have to look to see if it really is him because he was so good. Definitely, it's like when you watch like Max and Paddy, you watch the you know the, the spin off show, and you're like, you can tell obviously that that is Paddy McGuinness, and he looks very much like himself. Yeah. Whereas Peter Kay will dress up as any character you can imagine and drop the hat. 
Mm. And, you know, of all the people, it's like, right, okay, well, I'm going to play this, this club owner who is really sort of ruthless and, and one thing or another. And then he's also playing his own bouncer. <laughs> yeah. And it's like two more different characters you could not hope to meet. And it's just little things like, for example, with the car alarm, the famous scene, where he has his voice on it. Mm. And he's, it's literally just like he has his voice um, threatening to, um, to break the legs of anyone that comes near the car. <laughs> it's such a, such a really, really funny show. And the way he plays these characters, he plays them so vastly differently to each other. Uh, but there are so many scenes where you can just even look back now and you're like, that it's almost kind of like a surreal humor to it as well, isn't there? It is because, um, didn't, um, Phoenix Nice was a spin off, wasn't it? Because, um, he'd done, he'd done a show, it was like six individual little things, the Peter K thing, and yeah. there was a Brian Potter and Jerry Sinclair thing there, and, um, I think the Phoenix Knights was a spin-off from that, wasn't it? Yeah, because well, that Peter Kay thing um, was around about two thousand. They did a they did a pilot in late ninety eight, uh, which was something to do with um, something called Comedy Lab. Um, but the the series itself was two thousand, and the first episode of that series was uh, an episode called In the Club. And it was um, a working men's club uh, that was doing the grand final of Talent Trek 99. (laughs) And uh, Brian Potter was a character on that. And I would say Jerry Sinclair, Max and Paddy, the bouncers. And um, a lot of it sort of came from that. It It was really sort of like how that could become a series. And... It's every single one really could have been a series in its own sort of right. And they actually have at the end of the series is the winner of the talent track competition uh, is a guy called Mark Park. Hmm. And he basically... He, he becomes famous and there's all this sort of stuff of what happened to him sort of after after that happens. Uh, but, yeah, there's there's so much there that, you know, they could easily make into a series. And In the Club was the one that they, they chose to do that with, which became Phoenix Knights. Uh, but, yeah, that finished in 2002 and then uh, Max and Paddy's Road to Nowhere uh, started in 2004 as like a spin-off. Um, you know, we're not massive fans of spin-offs on, on this podcast, but Max and Paddy's Road to Nowhere was actually really, really funny, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. And it was, was only one series, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there was a sort of a reluctance for for them to get kind of overdone because obviously Phoenix Knights could have could have run and run 
for as long as you know, as long as anyone really wanted it to. Mm. But he's not one to kind of make masses and masses and masses of episodes of stuff, you know, because there's so much sort of surreal humor that goes into one episode. It's very easy to sort of make too many of them and start losing the edge. Um, but obviously, this sort of time was when the um, it was after it was just after Phoenix Nights that uh, the the Mum Wants a Bungalow tour started. Uh, that was his first kind of proper tour. So he'd done sort of individual shows and stuff. But this yeah. was the first kind of massive tour that he did. That was 89 dates in total. Um, and these were these were huge venues. He was doing stuff like the Manchester Arena at that sort of time. And um, they actually did a gig at Bolton Albert Halls as well, which is nowhere near the size of the arena. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so those that have been to Manchester Arena and been to Bolton Albert Halls, you can you can test you'll be able to testify also that these are vastly different sized venues. I've I've seen I've seen comedy in both of them and they are you could not get to more different venues. Uh, but Life at Bolton Albert Halls DVD came out uh, towards the end of 2003, and that that sold absolutely massively. Yeah, they bring them out um, just before Christmas, don't they? Yeah. Get peak sales. Yeah, so that came out 2003. That was, that was huge. Um, and then uh, the actual, the next one was the Live at Manchester Arena, which was 2005. Um, but by this sort of time, uh, obviously, Road to Nowhere had, had been out and been released. That was 2004, as we said. Um, but the the next kind of major thing that he did on TV, the uh, the talent show uh, parody that he did. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Britain's got the pop factor and possibly a new celebrity, Jesus Christ, so, soap star, superstar, strictly on ice. Yes, Geraldine McQueen, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I did enjoy that because... Um, it, again, it was another spot-on parody, wasn't it? And um, even Pete Walkman got involved, didn't he? Yeah, that's the thing. It's it was that sort of era where all of these sort of um, TV talent shows and celebrities doing something um, to boost their own careers were kind of coming out, and when you watch sort of Peter K stuff, you will see how much really sort of astute observation there is. You know, it's, it's very sort of similar to if, if Ben Elson didn't do politics, I think is the best way of yes. describing uh, Peter K's comedy. So where you've got somebody like Ben Elson, who really sort of astutely looks at sort of the political landscape and sort of that end of pop culture and, and things like that. Peter Kay will just gently mock it and parody it and and, and things like that. And he will he will just he will very sort of subtly and affectionately 
make fun of, of things that everyone can sort of relate to. I think that is part of his appeal is that he actually, he doesn't really sort of punch down at anything. He doesn't, he, he won't get sort of personal about anything. It's, no, he, he, he sees, because um, nostalgia, everyone loves a bit of nostalgia and he, he sees that and he milks nostalgia for all it's worth, doesn't he? Yeah. And that's the thing is that it was, it was weird sort of watching his stuff. So like early two thousands, I was, very early adulthood i was sort of early 20s when his his sort of stuff kind of really came to prominence and there hadn't really been anyone who really talked about sort of nostalgia for people who grew up in like the 70s 80s early 90s and stuff there hadn't really been any of that and when that sort of came out it was like this is this is totally different this is it felt like a lot of the comedians that had already been out were sort of like comedy for my parents' generation, whereas he was sort of talking to sort of my generation about stuff that we remembered. And it was like, this is this is massively different. This is completely different to anything that has ever gone before. And, of course, went absolutely stratospheric. And, you know, everybody that I knew at that sort of time of a similar age to me knew who he was, was watching his, his shows, and of course, being Northern as well, there's the whole thing of, he's talking about being from around here. He's talking about stuff that, you know, how we say things and, and stuff like that. So it was it was sort of like a double header because it was, it was Northern comedy and it was the nostalgia of my sort of era as well. Yeah. When a lot of this stuff came out, it was, it was absolutely, it was, it was, it was, unheard of almost um he did sort of a few bits and pieces stuff he 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 wasn't sort of massively in a huge amount of things he'd he'd, he'd pop up in things for a lot of sort of like the mid-2000s onwards and you know he did he'd get sort of things sort of drip feeded out to be an interview with him here or a, a dvd there so he brought out the Special K DVD, 2008. And then there was a, um, a release of the Tour That Didn't Tour Tour, which was the 2010-2011 sort of mega tour almost. That was 122 dates, that one. Oh. I think I was the only person who didn't go and see that tour. I didn't. I didn't go. Okay, so we're... The only two people that didn't see that particular tour are talking about Peter K. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, he actually brought it out DVD uh, just for Christmas 2011. And then the following year, uh, Live and Back on Nights uh, came out. But 2015 was when Car Share came out. And that was the sitcom that he did in the car with uh, Sean Gibson. Yeah. That's the only one of his I've not watched. All his other stuff, all his other sort of, I say long running, but multiple episode stuff that he's done, I've watched. Car share, I've not watched. It was really, really funny. I, I, 
a lot of it is really sort of um really sort of subtle things that you have to keep an eye out for so um there's there's little bits of things where you'll see sort of like a billboard that says something and you'll have to pause it and be like Does, did that really say that <clears throat> so there's one of them that advertises one meal for the price of two and there's a um there's a a van from a company in Wigan and it says no pies left in this van overnight <laughs> and it's it's all sort of little subtle things and you were like did they really say that and uh, there's a, um, a radio station that they listen to called Forever FM and they have like little um, really kind of awful adverts, really, really deliberately terrible adverts. And it's little things, it's little subtle things. So there's all the, the kind of conversations um, between the, the main characters, but also there's all these little bits of things sort of interspaced. And it's sort of like, did he really say that? Or did that actually say what I thought it said? <laughs> and you're winding back about, oh, they said that. <laughs> Um, they even have um, to go past um, the Sean Ryder Rehab Centre. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's definitely one to watch. Um, yeah, I think I will. I think I think uh, I think you ha- you're going to have to watch that one. Um, but as I've said, because because of where a lot of the, the the stuff is is set, is very close to to where I'm from. I end up watching watching it and, and just kind of spotting places like I know where that is, I know where yeah. that is, I know where that is. I think at one point, um, just narrowly out of shot was my sister in law's house. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> so it's literally a case of, like a lot of it is like my old route to to where I used to work. So it will be a case of oh, used to drive past that, used to drive past that, used to drive past that, and. The worst bit is that I can actually see how the continuity is completely out in the backgrounds because it'll be in somewhere in one part of Manchester and then like 10 seconds later, he's the other side of the city. It's like, that that place isn't near that place. I, I get that totally. We had um, a drama filmed here in Felixstowe 2011 at aired, and that was um, Dervla Kerwin. And she was walking along Felixstowe Promenade, and we got a, we got a pier. And she walked up there, and opposite the pier in this program was a block of flats. We got no flats opposite our pier, and I was annoyed. I won't I'm mention sorry. the uh, I won't mention the Stranger, which was uh, a Netflix series. Yeah, I watched that last year. Um, you know the fit at the start where they come from uh, the school and yeah. they. They drive past some shops and there's a little mini roundabout. Yeah. The shops and the mini roundabout are in the centre of the town I was born in. And where they come from is a one-way system. And there's no there's no schools anywhere near that. Uh. It's literally a dead end at the end of a one-way system. And 
it's literally just like a pedestrianised section with all the shops. There's no schools anywhere near that town centre. <laughs> and the, at the literally pause, I was like, that's the centre of town. Yeah. But um, you'd see sort of bits of bits of the towns like Winter's Face. It was very strange. But yeah, that was um, that was car share. That finished 2018. Um, the only other thing that, that was on after that uh, was um, Peter Kay's Comedy Shuffle, which I was... Mean, we, missed, we missed one out, haven't we? Have we? Cradle to Grave. Um, that was around about the same time as Karsha. So in it, we played... Um, there was the comedy based on um, Danny Baker's book, and he played Danny Baker's dad. How did I not see that? How was that? And, I've never watched that. And he was married to um, Lucy Speed, who um, was, used to be in EastEnders. She was Bianca's mate. Um, yeah, it was a eight, eight part based on Danny Baker's first book. And they were going to make more, but unfortunately, we'll, we'll come to the reason why nothing else was made after 2017 in a minute. But have you not seen Cradle to Grave? I've, I've never seen it. Yeah, I have to, I have to see if you dig that out because that's um, it, it's really weird because he plays a Cockney in it. Oh, okay. But he plays it very well. Hmm. You, you, you think you, you can see it's Peter Kay, but it doesn't sound obviously it doesn't sound like Peter Kay because he's he's got a good Cockney accent. That's the thing is that Peter Kay is great as a sort of master of disguise yeah and you can sort of hide in plain sight almost because obviously you expect him to be uh sort of right there sort of saying the peter k catchphrases and acting in this sort of exaggerated northern way similar to similar to the uh the character he plays uh john redmond in car share you know this sort of exaggerated near middle-aged guy from Bolton yeah you know with the kind of comedic overreactions and stuff and then when he plays a more subtle part and and looks different and has a different accent and stuff you know he plays it really well and then there's the added element that no one expects him to I've um I've just while she was talking there I just clicked on my link to um Cradle to Grave and I just something I sort of, that made me laugh because I said I thought um Peter Kay's accent was pretty good now apparently according to Sean O'Grady from the Independent he said the accents were a load of old pony so um one of us is wrong <laughs> I never I never I never pay attention to what TV critics say because. Wow. The number of times I've watched something and really enjoyed it and it's been absolutely critically panned and the number of times I've watched something and hated it and it's been crit- uh, critically raved about, we'll not even go there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a Comedy Shuffle was um, the kind of clip show uh, that they did. Um, so this was... Um, it was all sorts of bits and pieces of his of his different shows and things that he's done, um, but it was it was very much like a clip show. It had a similar sort of vibe to 
Do you remember the Jasper Carrot trial in the late 90s? Yes. It reminded me very much of that. And that's certainly no bad thing. There's someone who is a huge, huge fan of Jasper Carrot. That's never a bad thing. But it did have a sort of it did have a sort of feel of, you know, here's a load of things you've already seen before, but we're gonna show it to you again. Yeah. And you know, given that the last tour had finished uh, quite a few years earlier, uh, well, it was fi- it finished five five years earlier when Comedy Shuffle actually started. Um, but I think it's it started almost as sort of like a, a promo for the planned Have Gigs Will Travel tour, which never actually happened. Um, so yeah, November, 2017, uh, the tour itself was actually announced and was due to start, uh, in 2018, but then it was 13th of December, 2017, that everything was canceled and all that was mentioned was, um, family reasons and, he asked for the media to respect um, his privacy, his family's privacy at that time. Which, for once, I think they've done. Yeah, it was um, it was a pleasant surprise to see that that people actually just uh, you know did as 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 was asked. Yeah, and there's been a few rumours as to as to what the causes were, but I don't honestly think we're ever going to find out because he's not the kind of person that goes out looking for looking for attention no someone who is as as famous and popular as he is he's not somebody you ever see in the papers you know it's i can count well i could lose count very easily of the number of people i know that have met him given that he's i think he still lives somewhere around here not so far away so obviously the places where you know, you're going to see a local celebrity, it's going to be Peter Kay around here. It's There's just no way around it. But, yeah, given his popularity, I'm, I'm really I'm really pleasantly surprised that there's been very little kind of speculation as to what happened and, and things like that. Yeah. And he's, he's starting to tour again. I believe he's, uh, he's done a few gigs uh, recently. Yeah, it's, he started doing the Dance for Life show. Um, it's uh, just at East, just gone. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was great to sort of see that he's actually out and about and he's doing things. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, it was certainly hope that um, his, his, lo- his, uh, his recent live appearances are are the first of uh, of many to come. Yeah, just as long as he doesn't go back to Doctor Who, because that was an awful episode. <laughs> Everybody that we cover has been on Doctor Who, I've noticed. I think so. There, there was a pattern emerging. 
yeah. yeah. One of us is a huge, huge Doctor Who fan. Answers on a postcard as to who. Uh, spoiler alert. Much nowadays. Yeah, spoiler alert, it ain't me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're certainly hoping that um, that Peter K will be uh, back on screens and back in uh, back doing tours uh, very soon. Um, he'll certainly be uh, very popular again once he does. But for somebody who's who's only sort of on the on the on the kind of comedy scene, sort of majorly about twenty years ago, he's he's had sort of a massive impact already, hasn't he? Yes. yes. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's Peter Kay, and certainly a, a firm favourite uh, with us. And we've not mentioned his his musical output because. Um, they are made. They are mainly uh, charity record. Well, they are, they're all charity records, and most of them are in character. Mm. So, yeah, three of them were as Geraldine. One was Brian Potter, and. One was Peter Kay's animated all-star band, which was a children need song, as well as the uh, the famous "Is This the Way to Amarillo," which is yeah. proof, proof indeed that you can get a Tony Christie song to number one if you give the proceeds to charity. But he's uh, he's certainly very popular, and uh, is uh, he's, he doesn't shy away from. Uh, from from uh, charity work as well and, and general uh, uh, philanthropy, I think they call it. Is it that you do? I I think all he's a decent bloke all around, isn't he? I think. Yeah, he he gives that kind of vibe of your your funny mate down the pub. Yeah, which and I think is uh, it doesn't doesn't harm his appeal. No, it doesn't. Uh, but that is uh, that was piece of cake. Well, that is Peter Kay. He's still very much with us. Um, from one guy who gives the vibe of your mate down the pub to another one. And the show that we're focusing on uh, this month is one of your favourites, isn't it? Well, yes and no. I, I watched it years ago when it first came out and then totally forgot all about it. Never, never revisited it until last week because I knew we were going to do it for this podcast so i thought i'd go back to it and it's like i'd never seen it before because I, I think my i suppose if i watched it when it first came out what 20 years ago now my whole brain and outlook on life is totally different to what it was 20 years ago so it's just like watching a different show and it's yeah it's am i allowed to say weird i am it's surreal i think that was it but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so the, the show itself is uh, 15 stories high. And that was, um, a, it was a Sean Locke sitcom, wasn't it? Yes. Um, co-wrote by Mark Lamar as his pen name, Mark Jones, or his real name, Mark Jones. And 
The fella who is Simon's dad in the in-betweeners. Martin Treneman. He's, yeah, Martin Treneman's one of those people you see him on things and you think, I've seen him in something. Yeah. Because he was in uh, Phone Shop, wasn't he? Yes, he was, yeah. He's, um, he never plays any sort of main characters, does he? He's always sort of a bit part, but he's always there with thereabouts. And um, yeah, and he did a lot of um, he did a lot of uh, writing for Never Mind the Buscocks. And anyone who's a fan of um, Bill Bailey. He was part of um, the bands that, that do the German version of the Hokey Cokey in uh, Part Troll. Is it really? Yes. Um, you can tell they're all mates because they all appear. Bill, Bill Bailey was in an episode. Yeah, so they all sort of um, pop in. Yeah, he does, he does some stuff with um, Kevin Eldon, doesn't he? And for, for Lee and Herring fans, that is the actor, Kevin Eldon. They always used to ring him on and used to refer to him as the actor, Kevin Eldon. It's a bit of a, a weird niche, um, bit of nostalgia. Uh, but um, yeah, 15 Stories High was a very, very sort of surreal, very surreal show um, about um, a character called Vince who lived in a tower block. Uh, but it was actually originally uh, a radio series. Um, it was on Radio 4, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, so they originally put it on BBC Choice when that was still a thing. And um, he has a, uh, a flatmate called Errol. Yeah, played by Benedict Wong. What? What was he and what would what would people know him for? Um try he's again he he's one of these that pops up in lots of different things. Yeah. And um he's actually he, he does a lot of films. Yeah, he's um I say he's getting off he's getting on a bit now, he's, he's my age, I think. He's um He's 127. <laughs> he, he's probably, I think if you probably IMDB'd him, you'd see that he'd one episode here, one episode there, one episode there. I, I'd probably have the guess that um, this was probably one of his um, longest serving shows, most episodes in a show. Yeah, he's, he's one of these that pops up in all sorts of things. He was... Uh... He was, he was actually in, was in the IT crowd, doing Look Around You, which if anyone hasn't seen Look Around You, then you really, really need to look that up. It is a fantastic sort of parody of um, kind of 1970s um, open university type shows mixed in with things like Tomorrow's World and stuff like that. Definitely more sort of the open university slash sort of educational programs of that of the kind of 70s and 80s in the first series and then goes a bit more kind of towards like tomorrow's world and stuff in the second series 
Uh, but yeah, 15 stories high, very, very surreal show. Um, one that I would liken to the Lee Mack show, um, semi detached from about a year or two ago. But I would say 15 stories high is a lot better. It definitely had more scope to go further. I don't know why they stopped. I felt it definitely had more to go on. Yeah. The thing is, um, by that time, everybody involved was doing other things as well. Yeah, probably, yeah. So by that sort of time, you know, there was... Eight out of ten cats was happening, and that's where a lot of people sort of recognise Sean Watt from. Yeah, I suppose Lamar was doing Buzzcocks, wasn't he? Around about then. Yeah, he was. Yeah, because he, he, he was he was around on Buzzcocks until. Oh God, when was it? When did he finish Buzzcocks? Um, it was well into sort of mid two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah. But um Yeah, he's, was... probably, he's probably there for about, I'd say he's probably there for about ten years. Maybe. Yeah, I re- I reckon so, because it was Cause it was it was it was then that the um it was after Mark Lamar left that they started bringing in all the uh co hosts. Yeah. Yeah, sort of mid two thousands I'd say, I think. It was because they eventually brought in Simon Amstel, and then it, then when he went, they sort of moved more towards guest present um, or guest presenters as a regular thing. Yeah, Simon Amstel is a name we haven't heard for a long time. Yeah, um, controversial opinion. There's a reason. He's not. He's not as funny as a lot of people like to think he is. What you're saying is he's he's been found out. Is that what you're saying? He's funnier than I would be. Then again, stubbing your toe on a coffee on the leg of a coffee table would be more funny than me. I, I know we've gone off on a tangent, but Simon Amstel wrote one of the best episodes of Skins there ever was. Really? Yeah. Never when watched they, Skins. Yeah, they they went abroad to um, Russia on a school trip, and um, yeah, he wrote that. And it, it, yeah, it, it was great. But I won't spoil it in case you decide to watch Skins. You probably won't. Mm, I might be really bored one day. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's on um, all four. Yeah, pretty much everything's on all four. It, yeah. It's it's very very easy to get uh, to find yourself in a comedy rabbit hole in uh, on all four at the minute, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a very a very good show to watch to see sort of surreal humour done well. Uh, it's fifteen stories high. Yeah, and there's little bits. I mean, you've obviously got the main characters, but then it'll just pan away to somebody else living in the block of flats and they're having their tea. Then they just pan back and um, you're back to Sean Locke again. And then the next episode you pan around and there's um, a couple that are blowing balloons up for a party. And you just think, 
It's got no relevance to it whatsoever, but it just fits. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's that's the thing. I think yeah, actually, I think part of the reason it, it ended when it did was obviously there was um, there was Sean Locke's, um sort of stand ups as well. Stand up looks. I think not long after that finished, um, he did. Uh, did Lockipedia tour? Yeah, and then that was, and I, I think it was early. I think it was a couple of years later that he did uh, Purple Van Man, wasn't it? That's the one I saw, Purple Van Man. But yeah. I think I, 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 it's there's a lot of um, comedians that really sort of dislike doing certain types of types of work. For example, Dylan Moran hated being in Shaun of the Dead. Wouldn't ever be another film again because he hated it. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, it's. I don't think Sean Walk ever did another um, sitcom, did he? Nah. But yeah, he, he kind of he tended to gravitate more towards like the panel shows and stand up and stuff. Which in one of the first episodes, now. I live in Felixstowe, which our closest town that people know football-wise is Ipswich. We're about 12 miles away, 13 miles away. And in the first episode, he was talking about rubbish towns. He says, what do you think we are, Ipswich? And I did laugh because he's probably right. But I do have an issue with one thing you said, though. What's that? A major football team. And Ipswich <laughs> in the same sentence. Yeah, we're we're not major. We're not. We used to be once when I was eleven. Yeah. Was that before the football league was formed? No, it was a little bit after. Only just though. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. Yeah, they got um, got top five when there were six teams in it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that was fifteen stories high. Uh, the only sitcom that Sean Locke ever did there. That... Now, I am going to do a little bit of my geekiness on Doctor Who. Uh-oh. Now, um, the, the area where it was filmed, the little shopping precinct and the, the flats somewhere in Kennington, um, that was the same estate they doubled up as Rose Tyler's estate in Doctor Who. When she did for her mum, Jackie. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think. I, I, I know it's in my head somehow, but it was, I don't know how it's in my head, but it is. But I'm, I'm probably right. It, it, yeah, I'm sure it is. It, it's that same house, that flat, you know, all the flats and that where this was filmed is the same housing estate that they used for Doctor Who. Ah, okay. I'm sure if anyone who listens to this can put me wrong or... It'd be great to hear if, if I'm wrong. I don't think I am on this occasion. We've got 15 Twitter notifications saying you're wrong already. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, if, if if anybody knows of any other um, sitcoms that were filmed in the same place as Doctor Who, then I'm sure that Verso would love to hear them. I would have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, so... <laughs> <laughs> Never watched an episode of Doctor Who, um, but I dare say that my favourite co-host would love for me to get into it. 
and yeah. we could do bonus episodes on comedians in Doctor Who. In which case, we'd just be be annoyed about them all turning up. But yeah, fifteen stories high, definitely worth watching if you like your surreal humour and places filmed in the same place as Doctor Who. So, in our next episode, which we will be uh, be putting live on the first of June, we will have another comedy hero and another forgotten sitcom. If you have any particular uh, comedians or forgotten sitcoms that you'd like us to cover, then just get in touch with us on Twitter and we will um, we will endeavour to cover as many as possible. Indeed. So all that remains is to thank you all for listening. Um, we appreciate every single download that we get. We're only very, very small scale, um, but we appreciate everybody that tunes in and uh, we've had so much kindness towards us on, on the social media platforms, uh, especially Twitter. We've got some very, uh, some very loyal and appreciative fans on there, which absolutely blows our minds. Uh, so thank you to everyone that's, that's tuned in and continues to do so. And we will see you all in another month's time. Yeah, thanks all.